Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet. Welcome everyone to episode 57 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. We have Brian Hurley back on the show with us today to continue this amazing conversation. Last episode, we spoke about the power of data with the Six Sigma side of things and the power of going and seeing and the elements of lean. And we started to connect this to the environmental side and have had some amazing conversations about how there is a win-win and the power of data and going to see to truly focus on the right outcomes with an environmental continuous improvement. Brian, thank you so much for joining us again today. You bet. Brian, in, in the last episode, you spoke about the power of data and using data to look for that win-win because we know there's an economic and environmental win-win. But part of the challenge is that the data and the cost and the impact sits outside of the walls of many organizations. There's elements that we've got control of inside the walls, but there's the flow and effect of what's happening outside of the walls. And the ultimate way to move forward, I'm seeing with what you're saying is that we need to look at the big picture. You know, what's the true cost of this project? What's the true cost of this product I produce? How do we connect those dots and look to improve for the whole planet rather than just inside my four walls? What, and there's been things done there, but have you seen anything that's worked where an organization's been able to look at that bigger picture or a governing body's helped connect those dots? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, first is I think Microsoft did an internal tax for travel that they imposed into their departments. So it was almost like they built their own little carbon tax program. And so what they would do is if people took a flight, they would impose an extra kind of fee onto the department. And then that fee would go into a bucket of money that was used for supporting and investing in environmental projects. Um, So it was kind of like their own internal carbon credit program of some sort. So I thought that was really uh, creative and ingenious how they did that. And so it didn't really... um, it was just kind of hitting the different departments budget, which is kind of just money anyways. It's not like it's coming out of their own pocket or nothing. So uh, I thought that was good. I don't know where that program is at recently, but uh, those few years back, I remember hearing about that quite a bit. Um, So I liked that approach as a way to build up a pocket of, or a, a bucket of money to have available for investing in the business, like putting on solar panels or changing out, inefficient equipment or, you know, um, retrofitting a building or putting in better insulation, you know, whatever the challenge might be, because that tends to fall to like the facility group and they might get a bucket each year, but they're getting challenged with lots of budget constraints and projects people want to do. They want to expand a building over here, but we also want to reduce our footprint. So, um, so that one is kind of like creating an extra set of funds. Um, what was your other question you said about the, I had another idea of the, yeah, more the, where 
a country or a state has done something to bring in the bigger picture. Like I've got one example I saw is um, a farming area in New Zealand had the same outcome of what you saw with the Mississippi, you know, where downstream on this river, it's just getting absolutely destroyed. And they actually just practiced Gemba. The local council and local government got all the farmers. They went to Gemba, they saw, and then they formed a plan together and they're rectifying that river system now and their farming practices. So that's sort of one example I saw. Is there anything else you've seen in that regard? Yeah. um, What I think has been really helpful is the local um, environmental protection groups in the city or state or county level are starting to partner up with the businesses, not as um, not going in and saying, we're going to come in and find everything you're doing wrong and, and write you up about that or fine you for that, but more being like business partners or and trying to build trust with them to say, we're not going to anything we find. We're not going to write you up on this. This is our way of just to try to see if we can educate you and guide you a little bit, uh, encourage, um, provide some structure to meeting. And so when I was at my last facility uh, near Portland, Oregon, we had a local county representative who came in and worked with us. And she talked about the programs they offer to the businesses in the community from you know, better recycling bins to better signage to ways in which we can save energy to, um, you know, stickers we can put on our drains to make sure no one's dumping down the, into the river system. She was just became like a support, kind of like a lean consultant, except an environmental consultant to the business. And I found her insight really helpful to bring more information into the business we would meet regularly, so that kind of helped build a cadence for us to talk about these issues. Um, she would always find good de- information for us, so we were open to it, but we needed a little help, and so they were offering that up. And so I've seen a couple different state and city and local um, groups partner up with their businesses and provide that kind of consulting and coaching help to them. I think that works really well is you lower the barrier for them to get help. They don't have to pay for it. It's already provided. Um, and so um, I actually just started one with the state of Washington where we're doing a, a lean training with a project. And we have just this year, just kind of a quick a pilot, but we have one company that we're working with right now that's going through and trying to reduce some metals going into their wastewater. And so we're, going through and kind of teaching some basic lean and six Sigma principles and then trying to apply them to this particular problem that they identified. So um, that very low cost for the business to, to get involved. Um, We hope to scale that kind of um, activity in the future, but, you know, trying to show these lean principles and tools and six Sigma tools can help you when you're tackling this, but also who's there is the, the, the state representatives who understand the challenges of uh, those types of industries and the permit laws and all that thing, they're bringing their expertise together. So it's like a, a, a call it a trifecta of um, lean experience, the environmental experience, and then the business. So the three teams together have been working together um, or have had that help from being working in a facility. And now I'm one of the lean people helping in another facility. So 
I think that seems uh, there's a lot we could do with that that could be scalable. Um, but it's really just this business partnership with the local environmental group. And it's not meant to be adversarial. It's, it's they can come in and offer up the lean training that the businesses are interested in. And oh, by the way, um, and this is what the EPA found back in early 2000s. When you teach businesses how to do lean and Six Sigma process improvement, they accidentally get environmental impacts. They lower their chemical usage because they're not wasteful as much. They lower the energy because they're starting to study and look at that data. So they knew that if you just get them headed down that path, we can, um, we'll see some benefits just naturally. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I think too, Ryan, hearing you talk through that, you know, it sounds like local governments and or even national governments, they have the chance to put a tax in and go in more with a stick to tax. But there's also the option to go in with a carrot where it's, now let's partner and let's just get business improvement going mm-hmm. and we'll get the gains that way, which will stop the impact of the downstream costs that are happening to our planet, but also help it ha- happening to our communities. You know, the cost of bulldozers, the cost of cleaning up, the cost of um, impacts, all sorts of things. Yeah. So it really sounds to me, the key word that you were mentioning, Ryan, was partnering. So, you know, the environmental people in an organisation the business improvement or economic driven people in an organization and then potentially even you know community council government partners also yep yeah so what i would like to see personally um would be um lean and six sigma practitioners who work at a business to uh, make sure that when they're making improvements is to look and see am i also having an environmental impact positively and let's try to capture some of those gains. So if you take paper out of the process, let's capture how much paper used to be spent. Um, if you don't have to run that equipment 24 seven anymore, how much energy are we saving by not only running it two shifts or fewer shifts in a, in a week? Um, so they're already making improvements, but maybe you'll see some other payback and other opportunities by looking broader around the area. Because when you go to the Gemba, you you see how the process is operating, but a lot of the stuff that's impacting from an environmental standpoint is the pipes coming out of the wall or what's behind the walls, right? It's And it's just plugged into the wall. You don't see where that energy is coming from. So we don't always see the full picture when we're at the Gemba, but if I can get people to look up and look down in the ground and look at the pipes coming in and out of that process. Uh, that That's where some of the environmental opportunity is. And that might help. And maybe you, 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 we needed a better piece of equipment, but uh, if we, if we capture the full environmental impact, we might be able to cost justify it even better because we might say, Oh, this also cuts down a lot of other labor that's going on afterwards when that bin fills up and gets full of that toxic chemical. What is all the process behind the scenes of someone has to take it over and they have to label it and they have to put a lid on it and they have to write up all this paperwork and document all these things. And then someone has to haul it off to some special facility. A lot of that waste is not captured and that's huge opportunity there. So I, so one would be, let's get uh, the practitioners already doing it to, to notice those other areas that affect the environment. Secondly would be, can I get the environment safety health teams, the um, 
the sustainability members? Can we teach them about lean and Six Sigma methods? So they're already trying to do projects. Can we help them do it more effectively and uh, smarter and get better results? Um, so that would be the other group. And then um, the third would be the government agencies. So as they're going in, can we teach them to spot waste in the process and say, I know we're, we want you to reduce your chemical usage, but we noticed that, you know, you have an inventory problem and you've got uh, a lot of motion waste. And, and if you kind of get your foot in the door by helping them with their business problems, you'll have a better opportunity of uh, wanting them, having them want to work with you around the other issues that you really want to tackle with them. So uh, those, those groups are kind of the ones I, I have in mind when I'm, I'm thinking about who I want to start to reach out to and continue to build up their skill set. Because I can't, you know, the, me, you, Kayvon, all the passionate people who want to improve the environment, who have this Lean Six Sigma background, we can't go off and do all these projects. We, we don't have time for that. So to scale this, we've got to get everybody out there and, and see how we can build up everyone's skill set to magnify this this impact and get a bunch of these projects going. You look at the results of what you're just talking about, Ryan, it's massive because how many resources do most mid to large companies have of environmental department, quality department, safety department, yeah. lean department. And then you've got also the lot. government agencies coming in and all the, all the audits that are done. It's like, Hey, let's just work together is what you're saying. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's all focus on, continuous improvement to get rid of waste for our business and our customers and for our planet. And yep. let's learn how to do it holistically. And man, you've then all of a sudden, what you've all of a sudden got all these people who are now all business improvement people and planetary improvement people. It's yes. massive rather than often they fight against each other. So, or <laughs> conflict each other. It's a huge outcome. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there is a win-win for everyone. There's, um, I've seen either the projects focused on the environment get great results, but I've also seen the ones that weren't focused on that get accidental results. Um, one organization I'm working with, actually two recent projects that are going on right now, they're going to greatly improve their production output and they're going to lower their, their impact to the environment. And so, you know, the, what they found was expo was actually the, the environmental waste was exposing process waste. Um, that they weren't really looking at it from that perspective. So it gave them a new angle to look at the problem um, that just looked like um, this is the cost of business. But when you look at it, no, this is also highlighting a problem in your process that you can solve that. That's going to free up capacity. It's going to open up your demand, like your ability to produce. Um, you don't need to spend money on another piece of equipment. You've got the capacity there. Uh, you're just wasting it away. And, and this environmental problem is helping you see that, but you're not looking at that necessarily. So um, I think it's it's just looking at the process a little differently, but it's still highlighting the, there's uh, seeing the waste, right? Seeing the problem. That's half the battle is getting people to notice things that are there that they've been looking at all this time and not seeing. And so yeah. that's uh think why this ties in nicely that it's it's really helping the businesses ultimately go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to get hold of a systems boundary map template 
which will help you map out your organization's current impact and waste reduction opportunity. This is a great tool to help an organization create a baseline of opportunity both environmentally and economically. This can then be used to track and motivate progress towards a greener, more profitable future. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. Let's get back to the episode. I've seen a lot of organizations running lean where they've largely been focused on the human cost and the flow of cost where, like you're saying, anything that gets piped into our company, whether it's a wire or water or something getting shipped in in containers, Mm -hmm. we pay for all that. And then all the stuff that pumps out into the environment out the other side, well, that's opportunity cost, just opportunity lost, it's gone. But that is cost, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Even like they'll reclaim some of the costs, like a metal. There might be metal left over that is scrap and they'll get paid for that metal. And they'll say, well, look, we're, you know, we're getting money back from this. But if you do the math and say, well, what did you pay for that when it came in the door? Like that was 50 pounds of metal that you bought. You didn't buy it for what you're going to get in return for that. So yes, it's great that you're recycling it and you're getting a little money back from it, but let's not generate it in the first place because you paid a higher price, much higher price for that chemical or for that metal or that part or, you know, so, so, Sometimes I think organizations can be lulled a, a bit to not think there's a problem when they feel like, well, we're already recycling. But uh, in a perfect world, we shouldn't have anything to recycle. You're using uh, it all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's that's the best economic outcome too for an organization, like you're saying. So there's huge yes. gains. Brian, one thing I've seen when we talk data is that an organization typically can easily look at their costs and capture costs and do time and motion and just know whatever they're, whatever they're trying to look at. But I find them get a bit confused with environmental. Like a lot of organizations work to bring everything back to what was the carbon gains that we got and they can get lost in that. It can become very complex. Have you seen any good measures that are more holistic that an organization's used to go, okay, what's been our environmental gains and let's track that? Um, when I worked at the aerospace company, we, we were part of the carbon, uh, disclosure project. So that had some really interesting, um, I guess, requirements to be part of that. And you had to state, basically you had to be able to measure your footprint and then set a goal and then report on how you're doing against that goal. And that, um, was, a pretty interesting program, but what that required us to do was to go and invest in putting together a database where we could log and capture our utility bills across the organization. Because basically it fell onto each individual facility to try and figure out. So that was the first, one of the first early steps that they did was we got to consolidate this together so we can actually generate a report across all our sites. We had maybe 20, 30 sites at the time. So, um, but that allowed them to actually then look at the big picture and see the entire perspective of what was going on versus manually with some spreadsheets or a lot of manual effort, try to consolidate that together once a year. And it's just daunting and it's frustrating and people don't want to do it every time. So um, that took a lot of work. Um, I wasn't in charge of that, but I kind of saw what was going on with that project. And um, I was excited about it because it allowed me to do some number crunching to say, where's the opportunity? 
you know, why are we seeing spikes in some of the usage of some of our impacts? But I think to give to leadership the big picture was really helpful. And to say, where should we prioritize? Because, you know, you can't go off and work with every facility and every site. So we had to be smart about it. And we actually, when, when I pulled the data and I did the Pareto chart, it won, the, the headquarter facility was off the chart. It was by far the biggest contributor. That actually influenced my decision to move back to the headquarter facility because I said, this is where the opportunity is. I'd love to work on a project here at my local site, but I'm seventh on the list. And I'm not going to get the support or the, um, the impact that I want to have. So I really relocated back to the headquarters for the sole purpose of running an electricity reduction project because it was so far on that list. And we had a lot of good success with that. We were able to save like uh, $300,000 by figuring out how to set back the temperatures during the evenings and overnight and weekends. And that was just studying the pattern of people coming in and out of the building. So we gathered that data and, and had a great success with that. But um, without that ability to pull reports like that, it made it very challenging to know how we were doing and provide the feedback to management on a regular basis and then build some strategy around improving on that. Wow. So, so, so that package, I don't know what the, remember what the package was. I could look it up, but it was some service that a company provided and they would pull in your utility bills and automatically dump them to the database. Wow. So I guess you can, a starting point is to look at your inputs and outputs of your organization and you can then bring together some data of what your current state is and then track improvement back on that. Yeah. So the, the carbon disclosure project required you to have certain scopes that you would measure. And so that was part of it is we can't measure every little tiny thing we do, but you can get your electricity bill, your gas bill, your, um, you know, any kind of fuels that you buy. Um, we had backup generators at some facilities. We had, um, you know, water. And so you just got to decide what are we going to measure? What do we need to measure? And why, like who's asking for this is our customers, our regulatory agencies, government, you know, um, work backwards from the customer voice that says, this is what they want to see. And then figure out how do we best get data to support that, that is as accurate as we can get, knowing yeah. that's not going to be ever perfect. In, in my space, when I hear that, I see a tool called a system boundary map that a lot of yeah. organizations are using to sort of capture that. So that's... Um, Maybe something I'll share on the website. Uh, yeah, that'd be a great exercise to look at. Yeah, what is our energy flow? What's our uh, natural gas uh, inputs and outputs? Yep. Yeah, and you can get your current state and then just, like you said, Pareto chart it, pick your target, and then start gradually capturing the gains back against that initial data point of your current state. That's good. Ryan, what, you and I have covered some great stuff. We've covered collaboration of governments and businesses you know, and improvement teams to get the win-win. We've covered inside an organization where you can get everyone working together, knowing Lean Six Sigma or Agile and the environmental side and working together. And all of a sudden you've got this troop of business improvement people to get gains for the company and the environment rather than not working together or working against each other. So, so much. But what do you find stops organizations doing this? Like it just seems so, you know, lay down my let's just do it. What stops organizations doing it? 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think cost is a barrier. I think my experience has been businesses are pretty simple. They look at the money and that was what that's what drives most of their decision making. And so if the money, if the environmental problems cost a lot of money, we, we would see a lot more activity. But um, when they're compared to these other projects, like I was talking about earlier, they tend to be a little longer paybacks and on, on average, you know, so when you have all these other opportunities, they just look at them and say, we'd like to do that, but it's 20th on the list of importance based on these calculations. And so I think some of that just gets lost in the numbers that they're not seeing the full impact. So they're not paying for that full impact or the external externality costs. And therefore the business case doesn't look as strong as it should look or what it actually is, especially if you start factoring in the things that are good for the environment that are within the company that are hard to measure, like turnover and employee engagement and the publicity you can get from some good environmental stuff you do that you could get featured in your local paper for like, you know, um, having a good environmental project or getting, gaining an award for some project you did. So that's free publicity. And what's that worth? You know, so I think looking at all the impacts and all the benefits you can get, I think it's, uh, it's a huge number, but those aren't part of the normal calculations. So I think they get lost a little bit. Uh, not connected because you look at how many organizations are trying to improve their employee engagement. Yep. And oh, how many organizations are looking at how do I hire and retain the next generation? Oh, there's not, we've got all this retiring generation. We need to hire and inspire the next generation. Well, what are that most, what are most of them inspired about? They want to see that the company's doing the right things and that yeah. they care about the environment, they care about the community that their work is rewarding and they're doing something valuable and companies are missing out on opportunity there to attract employees and customers too. Let's not forget about the most important thing that the customers are starting to get more savvy and they're starting to ask better questions about what do you do and how do you do the work you do and how do you pick your suppliers and what impact am I having? And can, are you the most environmental friendly option I can go with? And so I think um, I was hoping my customers would start to drive a little bit of that too, because that gets attention, the money and the customers. And so when the customers start asking questions like, we're evaluating our suppliers, are you ISO 14001 certified? That sets a little trigger in their head, like, why are they asking that? Maybe that's important to them. Or do you have an environmental management system? Um, What is your carbon footprint? That should get attention to the suppliers to say, this is a question my customer is asking that must be important to them. Maybe we should look into this a little bit more. So I think the customers have more influence than they realize on driving the businesses and the suppliers and supply chain to go in this direction. And and you've seen that with big companies that have taken on a big environmental initiative. Their supply chains um, react quickly and it it makes a huge impact yeah. when they show them that this is important to us. And in fact, we're going to make decisions about going with the next program or giving you that contract based on your environmental performance that moves, uh, that gets a lot of activity going. So that's the massive win-wins we just spoken about there. Cause you look at the heart of strategy and business, understand what your customer values and how can you create a point of difference? Like yeah. on my book, agile sales that I wrote that most listeners know I wrote the book, agile sales. It's the part that sales and marketing can play to really position this whole 
improvement environmental bit to customers and get the sales increase because you've all of a sudden got a point of difference and a competitive advantage that the customer values and you win more deals and grow more business. And then the employee side you spoke about, you end up with a great employee journey that's inspirational and motivational and you all of a sudden get that extra 30% everyone talks about of energy and performance and continuous improvement. Boy, they stick around longer because they like working for the company and that, you know, have less turnover and have less money spent to market new jobs and hire new people and replace the people. It's huge dollars right there. It's off the And the regulatory costs. Like what if you got fined for going over your limit? Um, What are the costs there or the risks there and the bad publicity? What are the, let's look at the negative side too. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to, to sell this, but it's just not, those aren't just things that more normal businesses, I think, look at is some of those opportunities. Yeah, it's some major strategic opportunities, both culturally and for customers and business growth. It's amazing. Ron, with um, the show now, we're doing an Enterprise Excellence two-minute tip. So it's sort of like a two-minute tip of what would you provide an organization or a government um, agency listening? What would be your two-minute tip to them when you're considering Lean Six Sigma for good. Hmm. You know, I think like if I had a couple minutes to talk to somebody, I would say, um, you know, focus in on where is the biggest opportunity and impact you can have, because it's it'll at least you know it's the biggest area, and you're most likely to get the support you need to continue working on that. And then I think it goes back to the simple, you know, lean principle of go to the Gemba. Uh, so if you're studying the water, walk the facility and look at all the pipes. Go through the, you know, pretend like you're a drop of water going through that facility and walk the flow and see every time there's leaks and there's condensation and then there's wet water being wasted down the drain. It, it will open your eyes up to, to walk that value stream and look for the waste in that process. And I think you'll find a lot of great opportunities that um, people might've said, we've already looked at all this stuff, but they haven't looked at it from that exact perspective. And so I think that's could be a way to um, bring it in or like the energy, where does the electricity come in the building and how does it get dissipated out into the facility? And it was a spaghetti diagram of mess when I saw the facility map at the, at the site I worked at. So I guess I would say pick the biggest priority impact from the environment standpoint and then walk the value stream and go see. And I think you'll find a lot of great opportunities there and do it with a team. Make sure you're not doing it by yourself. Yeah. I think we've just invented a new process, Brian, the environmental value stream map. <laughs> That's <laughs> I've seen a few people hint at that and, and, and kind of talk about putting in the metrics of the environment into your timeline or baseline. So that was something I think the EPA had talked about a little bit, but yeah, I think it's, it's just a different way of looking at these uh, opportunities. Yeah, it's neat. And Brian, what, what is something that you've learned recently that's been a recent insight for you that you've had? Um, let me think. You know, I think the simple stuff, like um, really starting to learn more and, and study a little bit more on Kata. I think that's something that 
I kind of thought I had a good handle on and it's such a simple methodology and there's a lot of people really pushing for like, this is the, one of the foundations we have to teach as lean practitioners is get people to just think about thinking about what they're going to do and, and checking how they did and take predicting, you know, pick a challenge and then figure out how you're going to get there, not knowing the, the path that's going to take you on and getting people to be comfortable with experimenting and trying things out and a bias to move towards action and doing something, however small to move in that direction, because you're going to learn when you try something. So it, it kind of comes back to the, like the lean startup and some of the agile methodology to say, break it down to something small and try and try something and see what you get. And so I think that's an area that I need to get better at in terms of like my ability to teach others that methodology. And I'm starting just by trying to keep better results of my own experiments, little experiments I can do. Um, so I think Kata is a really uh, interesting approach that I'm, I'm trying to get better and, and learn a little bit more about. Brian, you together with many. If I had a dollar every time a guest or someone talks to me about Mike Roth's work on Toyota Carter or Theory of Constraints, like Theory of Constraints is coming back like crazy yeah. right now. Okay. And it's the same, very aligned, you know, and me too. I'm with you, mate. That's my focus at the moment is how can I help? Because it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah. But you spin the environmental focus in there as well as the economic and boy, you've got a powerful Carter. <laughs> um, one more tip. So there is a book, or sorry, there is a movie called The Goal. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I haven't yet. No, no, no one has. It's so it's a, uh, it was made by uh, Goldratt in the early nineties, maybe. And it was priced very high for businesses to purchase and, and show. Well, a company I worked at had a couple of copies and we would show that instead of having people read the book and it's really well done. But it's not, not many people have seen the movie, so they mostly have read the book. So you can, I think if you go to the TOC website, um, and we can dig up the links for that, but you can rent it for like a month for like $100. But it's like 40 minutes long, and I, I would recommend people who like Theory of Constraints or like the book is to watch the movie version. It's really entertaining, and it's really well done, I think. But uh, not many people knew there was a movie out. No, I think I'd heard somewhere on the grapevine but never investigated it so that's awesome yeah okay it's well, outdated and it's but it's that's part of the charm of the movie so um, i have to, I have well, to maybe we can link to it i'll i'll dig up the, the link to it thanks brian well brian how, how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more brian? yeah um i'm on linkedin quite a bit um so look up brian b-r-i-o-n there shouldn't be too many brian spelled that way brian hurley I'm, I'm also got a couple different websites, but um, I think the one I've been directing people to is Lean Six Sigma for Good. On there, I've got um, a lot of information about nonprofits, um, and, and then it links out to the environmental. So I have a whole nother site that's dedicated to Lean Six Sigma for the environment, but the Lean Six Sigma for Good is kind of like the hub part. And I just found every article, podcast, video I can find where people are applying Lean for social good to solve, you know, all the problems we've got in our society and global issues like homelessness and poverty and in addition to all the environmental challenges we have. So um, that's what I'm really excited about and motivated is to, to really solve 
um, global challenges with this methodology? You know, it's not the total answer, but I know we can, uh, our skill set can help. Yeah, well, Brian, thank you so much, mate. Thank you for coming on the show, sharing knowledge and inspiration and motivation to help us create a better future economically, socially, and environmentally. Mate, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really, I've listened to most of your past episodes and I really enjoy them. So keep up the good work. Thanks, Brian. Bye for now. What a great episode. Remember, you can go to our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to download a system boundary map template, which will help you map out your organization's current impact and waste reduction opportunities. This is a great tool to help an organization create a baseline of opportunity, both environmentally and economically. This can then be used to track and motivate progress towards a greener, more profitable future. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. Number one, focus on the right data. And two, connect and achieve the win-win improvements together. The first takeaway for me came from the conversation Brian mentioned regarding the risk of too much data and not seeing the data for the trees. The Toyota Carter approach by Mike Rother or the Eli Goldratt Theory of Constraints approach are amazing in helping us break out of the forest and see the trees using data. What is your organization or team's critical meaningful goals of improvement? Where are you at now? And what is the most important constraint to overcome now to help your team move forward? What are the leading or behavioral measures we could focus on improving to help us determine we are overcoming our current constraint and moving towards our goals? The second key takeaway is that connecting and achieving the win-win improvement together can help an organization, town, state, or country achieve so much more in this area. Let's look at it from an organizational perspective operating in a particular state or territory. Most organizations have people focused on environmental improvement, others on quality, safety, and business improvement. What if they all became skilled at continuous improvement, lean, six sigma, agile, and also the circular economy? What if they worked as a team with local government agencies to create economic, social, and environmental improvement for themselves and their region out of every improvement they do? What if the sales and marketing teams of the organization also collaborate into this effort, creating case studies, collateral, and stories they can use to inspire customers and enhance sales success? There are so many symbiotic wins from this approach. I haven't even touched on the cultural gains an organization can achieve, which Brian and I discussed. Thanks again, Brian, for the amazing conversation. You are truly helping us create a better future for ourselves others and the planet. Talk soon. Bye for now.